Welcome. You're listening to The Sacristy, a podcast where we seek to learn, discuss, and exalt in the faith delivered once for all to the saints as it has been passed down in the Anglican tradition. I'm Father David Bumstead, the rector of Emmanuel Episcopal Church in the Audubon Park neighborhood of Orlando, Florida. And I'm joined by my freshly shriven co-host, Father Matthew Ainsley, the vicar of All Souls Episcopal Church, a church plant in Horizon West, Florida. We're real priests with real jobs and real churches and service times are in our bio. We'd love for you to join us for worship if you're ever in town with us. Hey, man. Yo. Yo. We're getting ready. You're shriven, man. I um, trimmed my beard. It was one of those things where you take it kind of short in one place and you're like, man, I got to commit. I got to like take the whole thing down. I almost shaved my face. That's that's how bad it got. With a razor. Yeah. I got pretty close to doing that. So I look like I'm 12. But 12 year olds don't have beards. You still have a beard. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. So, yeah, we're getting it ready. Happens. Yeah, it does happen. I'll have um, to grow it back during Lent because it's good to have a gnarly beard during Lent. It kind of fits with the penitential season. Yeah. Gives you pre- you want to look like. Gives you cred, street cred. Yeah. Plus, you look like one of those guys from Mount Athos. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the only thing we have in common. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the creed. <laughs> Well, yeah, you said we're getting ready. Uh, we're getting ready for uh, some of the most, some of the busiest times of our of our of our of our calendar of a year. Uh, what do we got? What's coming up, man? Well, we got Shrove Tuesday coming up on what would that be? The twenty fifth mm-hmm. of February, which is awesome. It has a lot of different names. Uh, first, what does Shrove Tuesday mean? What is the word Shrove? Yeah, Shrove is uh, just one of those uh, older English terms that refers to um, the act of being shriven of sin, uh, a more or less common practice, especially throughout the medieval period, was for people to make their confession with their priest prior to Ash Wednesday. And so um, that act kind of combined with uh, the week became a really a real highlight of the of of that week leading up to um, Ash Wednesday. So Shrove Tuesday is one that stuck, yeah. especially in in uh, an Anglicanism. We usually tend to call it Shrove Tuesday, as opposed to some of its other famous names, which are Mardi Gras, Fat Tuesday, Fat Tuesday. Yeah. So those are all Christian origin. Most Mostly. people are probably are, are pro- I mean. Mardi Gras has has definitely <laughs> moved away from its Christian yeah. roots I think just, just to, a little bit. There's a, there's a few things that happened around around the states, especially in New Orleans specifically, that would defy Christian norms. Say <laughs> during Mardi Gras. But of course, you know we're eating th- Fat Tuesday because yeah. we're, we're eating things that would be forbidden uh, during Lent, or maybe we would be abstaining from, right. especially before. Uh, refrigeration and we're able to preserve foods for long amounts of time you got to get it out of the house and eat it yeah right and pancakes are one easy way to do that so a lot of people eat pancakes on shrove tuesday yeah they would eat a food that was very similar to pancakes i mean part of the thing i mean it's literally it's sort of like oh you think like fat tuesday is a uh, kind of like a like a conceptual or a metaphorical term but it's actually like a very um, practical term like you would use what you had in your larder so we'd use the fat lard, et cetera, that you would have in your, in your pantry and create these really, um, sumptuous cakes and you'd eat them the night before you had to really go down for abstention. But like you said, it's also like being aware that over the course of the season, 
um, you know, you can't hold on to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Refrigeration is a pretty amazing thing, apparently. <laughs> so we both have Shrove Tuesday pancake dinners yeah, coming up. Yeah, yeah. And a pro tip for our ministers out there. Yes. Don't skimp on the bacon. Do not. Budgets might be tight. You just passed your budgets, hopefully. Find another way to save. Bring the bacon to the people. Line item. <laughs> Line item, man. I just Get a look- grant. <laughs> I don't care what you have to do. Apply for the grant. <laughs> it's, it's not going to work. They're not going to send you money for bacon, but they might for evangelism. Yeah, bacon uh, yeah. is part of your evangelism. Sure. I just looked in my fridge at, here at the parish about, you know, oh, cool. We got the Kodiak cakes out. My people, they want to they wanna eat some good pancakes. And I just looked at um, the bacon that's going to go by it. And it's, dude, it's like huge pile of bacon in the, in, the, in the fridge's floor. I mean, it's like solid, like 18 inches high of bacon. It's so much bacon. Make sure you start cooking that oh, no. stuff These, early in the morning. My dudes are pros, man. All right. I'll tell you what, every year. Every year it goes. I'm always surprised. I'm like, nev- you're never going to get rid of all that. Nope. Mardi Gras, baby. That's something people can take home, too. Never do. They never do. Finish it up. I'm actually shocked. I'm a little worried. Bacon eating contest? No? No. Okay. All right. I <laughs> just crashed your dreams. All right. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, so um, we're looking forward to uh, Shrove Tuesday and... Uh, and, and, uh, and Ash Wednesday to come. We'll talk about that just now as we head towards our calendar. Father Matt, the Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O God, who before the passion of thy only begotten Son didst reveal his glory upon the holy mount, grant unto us that we, beholding by faith the light of his countenance, may be strengthened to bear our cross and be changed into his likeness from glory to glory. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That being the collect for the last Sunday after the Epiphany. Uh, and a, a great transitional prayer. Uh, it really does highlight um, you know, the final week of, of Epiphany. We will be talking about this in a few minutes, but um, we, we read from the Transfiguration story. Of course, the Transfiguration has its own feast day, August 6th, but um, on a Sunday we get to hear, read this story and we really get to see and, and, and understand and pray through the transition from... Um, the Holy Mount to the Passion and the Lent and the Lenten season preparing us for Passion Tide. Mm. So it's just a gorgeous prayer. Uh, we actually have a, a major feast this year as we uh, as we look f- forward to uh, Shrove Tuesday. We will uh, on Monday the twenty fourth of February. The church will celebrate and remember Saint Matthias, um, who is a named saint and a uh, and a, um, a feast day of the church. However not a dude that we know a super ton about. He is very, he was important enough to rate uh, uh, a spot on the 12. Um, Well, tell us about that, Father Matt. Well, of course, we know that things didn't go so well for Judas. Yeah, not so good. (laughs) Would have been better had he not been born, um, as our Lord says. Mm -hmm. And I really like Matthias because we have an Acts chapter 1. Yeah scriptural warrant for apostolic succession you know they draw on uh two psalms in that passage one being psalm 109 which says let another man take his office so you have this office of apostle that has to be filled uh with a successor and so they cast lots and they pick matthias who is like i guess i'm it 
So pretty, pretty awesome. So people, you know, where does apostolic succession come from? Well, it comes from the Bible. It starts right in yeah. Acts chapter 1. Yeah. So thanks, but, Matthias. Yeah, other than that, we don't know much about him, although, um, you know, the, the tradition of the church that he was very holy uh, and very pious. So may we also be known for our holiness and our piety. All right. But um, also, of course, as we mentioned, uh, we look forward to... Um, Shrove Tuesday on 25th, which is a sort of like fun, weird, nebulous place of, of like, well, where does that line up on the sanctoral calendar? Is it actually a thing? I don't know. People argue about it on Twitter, I guess. Um, but it's a great day to have a get together with your parish. We'll burn ashes even as we. It's a um, lot of fun. It's, yeah, it's great. It's awesome. But it's you also. You make a lot of dumb pastor jokes like, yeah. hey guys, let's get all our sinning out before <laughs> Lent. <laughs> Which I have made every wow. every Sunday, and people laugh. That's an obligatory <laughs> laugh, I think. <laughs> Father Matt. <laughs> You're so funny. Um, but it's also really is a good day, if, if you can, um, if, you, if it's available to you, which if you know a priest, it is, um, to make that confession, to, make a, to, get, to get that done before Lent begins. And then, of course, the 26th of February is the beginning of Lent, Ash Wednesday, uh, which is, as the prayer book reminds us, an actual fast day, an actual day of abstinence that is uh, present to us, not only throughout Christian history, but also uh, nominated to us by our own prayer book tradition. So uh, that and Good Friday, of course. And so it means it's different than it's uh, than than like, you know, the rest of the days in Lent, which are already, um, you know, probably will have some kind of abstinence in it. But uh, Ash Wednesday is a particular day for fasting. And, you know, the variations, uh, even within the Catholic tradition of Anglican, you can find those online. But uh, for my, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do because um, I usually will go without um, a major meal until dinner, um, so after sundown. But I have a, a coffee with um, with a little bit of milk. I cheat a little bit, um, but that's because I've got services all day. Yeah. Um, so I'll have coffee with milk, and then um, I'll have like some nuts and some fruit around lunchtime. Uh, just to get me through the rest of the services. And otherwise, I'm in my black cassock and hangry and trying to pray it away. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ash Wednesday and then Good Friday are the days where you would, if if you're able to yeah. um, to fast and to, to not eat. Or, you know, if you look at the guidelines for the Roman Catholic Church in America, mm-hmm. have, have one meal and then you can have a snack or so throughout the day, but your snack should not exceed the quantity of food of a full meal. Otherwise, right. you know, if you're just grazing all day, kind of not fasting. Doesn't, yeah. Doesn't really... <laughs> um, but, but a, a good, a good practice. Um, and then doing that in concert with, uh, your other Lenten disciplines, right. whatever they may be. There's a, a legend out there, a, perhaps a culinary legend that that's where lentil soup comes from hmm. is, uh, making of a, of a kind of basic kind of boring soup mm-hmm. for the end of the fast on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. I don't know. Sounds cool Maybe. to me. And then uh, Fridays throughout Lent and then all Fridays except uh, Easter Tide, you can abstain from meat. And there's another, I don't know if it's true or not, did McDonald's develop the filet fish for Catholics Ag- again, to eat? Is, uh, is that true okay. on, on Fridays? But particularly again, Fridays in Lent. Kind of a culinary... Um, urban legend uh that has kind of failed to die it's one of those things that seems 
like it might just be true, but I've, I've never seen anything that has discounted it. Um, they're kind of gross. Yeah. I think Wendy's actually has a better fish sandwich, yeah, better fish sandwich. Yeah. Which they do one as well. Uh, it's seasonal, but they're going to, they'll, they usually have one going during Lent. All right. So I guess we're hitting up Wendy's. I'm going to hit Wendy's Fridays during Lent for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let me sponsored t- by Wendy's. Not a sponsor. Okay, you might have to cut this, but I want to tell a story. Of- but actually sponsored. <laughs> Here's a story about the time I messed up my Good Friday, or my Friday um, my Friday abstention from meat. Um, my previous parish, uh, the Church of the Redeemer in Sarasota, Florida. Um, hey, guys. Um, the uh, This taco truck put a station, you know, right in front of the church because they were building a big high-rise in front of the parish. And um, I was so excited because it smelled so good and I love tacos. So I, I went out there for lunch and um, forgot it was Friday. So I got like, you know, like chicken, and pork and, and, and beef. And I walked in with my plate to my rector, who was fabulous, fabulous man, fabulous priest, and definitely someone who's going to appreciate a good taco. Um, he goes, I'm like, Father Fred, look at this. Um, they got all these great tacos and I spent like six bucks on it. Isn't that awesome? You want to go get some? And he looks at me with such disappointment and disdain, such sadness and just goes, father David, it's Friday. And I was like, Oh, you're right. So I had to, I tossed the meat out and ate the shells. Oh man. Yeah. It was not my best. And he's like, and he just stared at me while I did it. <laughs> it was so awesome. It's like such a solid move. Anyway. <laughs> and he dug the meat out of the trash can after you left his office. Probably on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, we're getting into the sermon first pass now. Yes. For the last Sunday after the Epiphany. Are we going to do that? Yeah. Okay. Looked at me weird. All right, we're in Exodus. <laughs> Chapter 24, verses 12 through 18 for our Old Testament lesson where Moses goes up the mountain and comes back down and he's shining. Uh, the psalm, you have the choice of Psalm 2 or Psalm 99. The epistle is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21, where Peter is hearkening back to the transfiguration mm. and saying, hey, we didn't make this up. We were there. We saw him. We beheld his majesty and his glory. And then Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 9 is the gospel reading. And that's, of, of course, Matthew's account of the transfiguration. Yeah. Um, you know, I, th- I think it's really helpful when we preach something like this to have, um, to have thought through what the transfiguration is and does. Um, we have a wonderful transfiguration window in our parish. And I always, I always highlight that when I'm preaching through some, through transfiguration because I think it, it really helps people to, to kind of see something to, because it is, it is such a, it's such a visual, uh, such a, such a visual uh, thing to, um, to look upon Jesus in his glory is, is not something that, you know, you kind of want to leave in the mind's eye if possible, in my opinion. Uh, again, at my former parish where I served at Redeemer, they have uh, the Chapel of the Transfiguration as a as a um, icon in the rare dos, and um, 
was so great to be able to celebrate the mass and look upon Jesus in his in his uh, transfigured glory mm-hmm. uh, during the celebration, and then to help people kind of step into that um, that transfit the moment of transfiguration, along with uh, you know Peter, James, and John, um, in so much as we can. Yeah, I think it's it's important for people to understand. Like you're saying, what the what the transfiguration is and what's going on, and one way that I like to do that is to make sure. I mean, and the lessons do a great job with this mm-hmm. of, of connecting it with uh, Moses ascending Mount Sinai. And it's he, when he's up there; it's covered with a cloud, and cloud covers it for six days, and he comes he comes down, and he's uh, we, you read later in Exodus that he's He's shining. Uh, he's uh, not transfigured, but he has been in the presence of, of mm-hmm. the Lord. Uh, because there's just so many uh, amazing things, and and not to turn it into, you know, a lecture or classroom setting. There's so many neat connections. You know, for mm-hmm. example, the pericope begins six days later. Well, why why is that mentioned? Right. Well, because if you go back to Exodus, the cloud covers Mount Sinai for six days. So right. Matthew's clearly trying to uh, call us back. And there's so many different similarities uh, in, in the language, you know, the cloud covering it and the bright cloud overshadowing uh, the apostles and the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, many will say Mount Tabor mm-hmm. um, in Matthew chapter 17. So there's all these different parallels uh, between... Again, one thing I've been trying to emphasize uh, in my preaching is just the continuity between the Old Testament, uh, the so-called Old Testament and the New Testament, and that the church and our Lord in particular was not some sort of plan B, but in Christ, you know, all the promises of God are fulfilled. Uh, There's this capital... Uh, there's the word yes written in capital letters. Right. Yeah, um, and 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 one of the things that really that really stands out to me, looking at you know at the at this this passage from Second Peter, is um, you know how incredible uh, how incredible an experience that was for him, that later later on he would remember it and use it as a way uh, to kind of highlight his ministry. And therefore, uh, you know, the ministry of the church, I, <laughs> there's a, I don't even know what, how, what, how to describe this tone that for this, this passage from second Peter begins with, but he, he begins with, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. Mm-hmm. So like, guys, I was there. And, you know, the, the, the idea that like, okay, well, what was that like when you were there? Right. And he's like, we saw him turn colors. Like we saw him uh, change into white raiment. We saw him flash with brilliance. We saw, um, you know, the heaven, the reality being kind of like prismed through him. However you want to describe the glory of the transfiguration. You know, I can imagine Peter sitting with his community and speaking uh, at length about that. Um, and also the consonance with you know Second Peter with Peter's voice when he when he says um, the the voice that was conveyed to him by the majestic glory saying this is my son my beloved with whom I'm well pleased which of course we read again in Saint Matthew's Gospel 
um, that the, the word that was so important that God said from his glory in, in the shining light of Jesus was a, was a command of listen and follow him, listen to him. Um, therefore, giving him, you know, the authority to make law, you know, to, to, uh, to give the law of liberty, as you said last week. And for Moses and Elijah to stand in his presence, you know, as frankly speaking, a subordinates, the lawgiver, the prophetic voice, you know, law and the prophets, yeah, continuity there. Exactly. Uh, big time. And then also there, we have in the gospels a sort of double fulfillment because, mm-hmm. uh, it's prophesied that Elijah would return. He would immediately, uh, precede the Messiah. Right. And the, we, we find a double fulfillment in this, in the gospel because, John the Baptist comes in the spirit of Elijah and Jesus even says, if you're able to receive it, like he's Elijah. But then we have just prior to uh, the passion and death of our Lord, uh, the appearance of the historical (laughs) Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. Another thing that's really cool about the Transfiguration is, is um, it, it kind of shows kind of, it shows the end, the end before it gets really bad. Mm. Right. Like, so, you know, what happens next in the story, Father Matt, after the transfiguration, their exodus is to where? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And what happens in Jerusalem? Yeah. Jesus ends up dying. <laughs> Jesus ends up dying. <laughs> yeah. Like, and so, you know, things are about to get very confusing in an already confusing time with Jesus. Cause you know, they still haven't figured it out completely, obviously. And even with this flash of brilliance and even with this, you know, they go into the confusing place of the crucifixion uh, and finally get the idea. They, they finally get the truth. They finally understand what the ministry of the Messiah is really like after the resurrection. He has to die first. He has to wait for three days in the tomb and then be risen for the, for the disciples to get an idea of what's really happening. But Jesus, the whole time, has said, no, it's going to be like this. And at the transfiguration, I think is the loudest voice of heaven saying, this is what the, re- what, this is the result of the cross and passion is the glory of, uh, the glory of Jesus in the transfiguration. And by the way, this transfigurated life is that which you are being called into. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this foretaste of yeah. the eschaton of the age to come of it's hey guys this like... this this is where <laughs> this is where we're headed and this yeah. is what's being accomplished it's almost like the beatific vision <laughs> 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 yeah but i mean think about it though i mean like how does it how does it foretell the the beatific vision well the saints who have come before right like in their case the the holy ones of the lawgiver and the prophet and being in direct colloquy with, with Jesus and his glory. Um, the, the difference of course, for us is in glory, we will have an understanding, uh, our, our, we will ourselves be transfigured in such a way to receive the glory of Jesus's own transfigured self. Whereas here, uh, they were just kind of like, what? (laughs) But, but that transfiguration starts now. Right. We're, we're not just waiting. Of course, it'll be completed at the last day. Right. 
But there's this connection, you know, as Moses was in the presence of the Lord and his his face shone on account of having been in the presence of Almighty God. You know, Peter makes this same connection for the Christian. He's, you know, he says, you will do well to be attentive to this as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Mm. So there's this resulting illumination in the hearts and lives of the children of God mm. as they ponder the transfigure, transfigured Christ. Yeah. And not just like in an intellectual way. Yeah. Yeah. But but as they they deepen their union with him uh, in the Christian life. So yeah, lots that, to preach on there. Yeah, that's right. That which we see on the mount is truly available to us in the Christian life. I think that's frankly speaking as we look towards Lent truly the best way to approach that homiletically. Mm-hmm. Drawing people into the discipline uh maybe even the joy of Lent which is um, sort of a weird thing to talk about, but the joy of Lent being a deeper, more enriching uh, life of prayer, uh, even abstention, as we mm-hmm. seek to honor and adore Christ. Yeah, it gives us this image of this is the Christ who, over the next 40 days, will be veiled from our eyes in a way yeah. where we're emphasizing the effects of of sin, of death, of forces of darkness at work in the world and casting those off so that we can see Christ as he is and come into relationship with him in a new and fresh way uh, and get closer to um, beholding him uh, in full as we will in the last day. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Be my preacher. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as we head towards the end of this uh, lesser lesser feast, uh, we do pray that you will have a wonderful beginning to your Lent. Of course, we, as always, want to thank you for listening. We want to thank all of our new listeners. Um, and shout out to new listeners from France. I was excited about that. Yeah. Not going to lie. Because you want a vacation with them? or I don't know. It was just cool to see it was pretty another, cool. another country. Yeah. So uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for your continued prayers and support. Uh, And we look forward to uh, speaking to you again after Ash Wednesday. And as we uh, as we close out today, we want to pray together uh, Psalm 50 verses 11 through 20. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and And renew renew a right right spirit within me. Cast me not away from from your presence and take not not your your Holy Spirit Spirit from from me. Give me the joy of your saving help again, and sustain me with your bountiful spirit. I shall teach your ways to the wicked, and sinners shall return to you. Deliver me from death, O God, and my tongue shall sing of your righteousness, O God of my salvation. Open my lips, O Lord, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Had you desired it, I would have offered sacrifice, but you take no delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God is a troubled spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Be favorable and gracious to Zion, and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with the appointed sacrifices, with burnt offerings and oblations. Then shall they offer young bullocks upon your altar. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, 
as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Blessings. Thank you so much. We'll see you guys soon. See you, boss.